When Jesus healed the sick, the crowd started to gather. Pastor Ray Bentley says Jesus used that opportunity to further his mission. He did his miracles and healings in order that they might listen and he might gather their attention to hear his word, to hear his message. But his goal and mission was not to heal physically the whole world. His mission was to bring the gospel. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Often, the things we need don't attract us like our wants and desires do. Jesus knew that dynamic full well when a large crowd gathered with their sick, ready for a healing touch from the man from Galilee. But Jesus not only touched broken bodies, he forgave sinful hearts. Let's listen. All right, let's open our Bibles uh, to the Gospel of uh, Mark, chapter two. The power and signs of Jesus. Jesus began, after he was baptized in water in the Jordan River, the Holy Spirit came down upon him in the form of a dove. And immediately he began to minister. He started, his headquarters was actually a small place. It was Capernaum. Capernaum had maybe 2,500 people. So the Lord did not send him, you know, I'm gonna send my son, the Messiah. He's gotta reach the whole world. There's the Roman Empire. We're gonna send him right away. Get him on a ship and go to Rome. He's gonna go to the Colosseum, fill it up with all these tens of thousands of people. No, he didn't even start in Jerusalem where the temple was, where there could be tens of thousands of people gathering for the feasts of the Lord. He began in the north of Israel, in rural towns, villages, fishing villages, and the major one on the north end of the Sea of Galilee was Capernaum, and it had 2,500 people. And that is where God in heaven began to move. And you know, I cannot say this enough, that our Father in heaven is so powerful, but he loves to display his power in humble ways, or humble places, or through people that you would never dream or expect. If we managed it, you know, we would publicize it and, and we would make it something. Uh, but the Lord, he, I love the way he does that, don't you? And he, he's so vulnerable, he's so available to us. Well, as Jesus starts in a very out of the way, small village on the shores, the north shores of the Sea of Galilee, with incredible speed, <laughs> this was not happening every day in ancient Israel. The news of those who were possessed of demons being cast out, not only being cast out, but recognizing who Jesus was, calling him out as the Messiah, and Jesus saying, be still, be quiet, come out of them. Uh, people being healed from all kinds of sicknesses and illnesses and then from Capernaum to all the little other fishing villages along the shores. You can imagine that within a few days, in a matter of a few weeks, huge crowds now followed him. Now I have a question. Why were they following Jesus? 
Well, it seems rather obvious. They're following him because, I mean, this is amazing. How many of you would want to follow Jesus if he came to San Diego and began doing the same thing? We'd all want to go. How many of you would be willing, I know it's a sacrifice, even to leave your work and be able to go and follow Jesus somewhere? I mean, something if the Lord is really here and moving, right? So he was upsetting the fishing industry, the farming communities, everybody's coming. What are they coming to see? They're coming to see him heal the sick and casting out demons. But Jesus used the miracles and the healings as a platform for something else. The main goal was not uh, healing because Jesus did not really go beyond the borders of Israel. His main job was not to heal every sick person on planet Earth. He did some healings and, and in the places he went, he could heal them all, but his goal and mission was not to heal physically the whole world. His mission was to bring the gospel, to live the gospel. He was coming then to preach about the kingdom of heaven, then to live the reconciliation of man by being crucified, buried, risen from the dead. So the important thing, how then was Jesus going to save the world through the living word of God that proceeded from his mouth? and to fulfill the word of God that had already been declared about the coming of the Messiah, who would be the sacrificial lamb, who would on the third day rise from the dead and conquer sin and death and hell and the devil himself. Hallelujah. So he did his miracles and healings in order that they might listen and he might gather their attention to hear his word and to hear his message. Had the people who now began to follow him and, and, and be around him and fascinated with him been as interested in his message as they were in the miracles, then Jesus would truly have been encouraged. But the truth of the matter is that Jesus knew that many of them following him were only interested in the miracles. And when they saw the miracles, Rather than hanging upon every word and believing every word and then internalizing and trusting in him personally as who he claimed to be, they said, okay, now let's go to the next town. Let's go to the next village and what's the next miracle? Where's the next healing? Where's the next demon that's going to scream out? Where's the next form of, in shallow way we would call it today, being entertained? Jesus did not do these things to entertain people. He knew their shallow thinking and his desire was that they would hear him. The purpose of miracles and healing is to prepare us for the need to hear the word of God. And the word that he wanted to bring was a word of forgiveness. And once we are forgiven to enter a relationship with him and come into true holiness. It is the will of God as a child of God that you and I be forgiven first of our sins and then be made holy in his name and his nature and his character. Amen. So, verses 1 through 4 of chapter 2, Mark chapter 2. It says, and again he entered Capernaum. So here, this is the headquarters of Jesus' ministry. After some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Again, note it's not a coliseum. It is not a big venue. It is a small home. And immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them not even near the door. 
Can you imagine? I mean, these are miracles that, that began happening. It's not like they could go back and say, well, this happened then and this happened then. Yes, but there was Elijah. Uh, there was Elisha, there were great manifestations, there was what happened in the wilderness, but nothing had ever happened like this. Literally every time Jesus opened his mouth, the kingdom of God came burning through his lips. Every time he touched someone, whether it was disease, whether it was the demonic, it obeyed him. Whether it was the wind and the waves or nature, it began to respond to his word. This was the power of God. So you can imagine a tiny little home and now you know everybody that had somebody in their family, and again, we're going back 2,000 years ago. Uh, how many would agree medicine wasn't what it is today, right? So they're running to get everybody that they know in their family, every niece, every nephew, every baby, every you know, mother and father, brother and sister, or loved one that is sick in any way, there's a guy that heals people. You know, you're not thinking, you know, much beyond that. We have a chance how long you'll be here. We don't know. Let's go to the house. You get there and there are so many hundreds of people. You can't even get near the door. And that was a situation that we are now reading about. It happened so fast with lightning speed. In verse three, and then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. They had to carry the guy. He's completely lame and paralyzed. It took four men, so by the time they got there, there was no way they were gonna get in the house. They're not even gonna get near the door. And this sets up the whole story. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And so when they had broken through, <laughs> they, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. I love this, okay. If you have your notes, I want you to write this down, first of all. A great miracle is going to happen here. Several miracles actually are gonna happen here. But the greatest miracle that we're going to see is forgiveness. The greatest miracle that happens this day is this man's sins are forgiven. And again, what we have here is the invasion of the kingdom of heaven. We see the power and the impact of Jesus' ministry, which was nothing less than the invasion of heaven itself into our natural and yet fallen world. And people were hungry for it and desperate for it. And there's a powerful, powerful draw to the miraculous display of the power of God, especially in healings. It's so instant, it's so powerful, and, and it's so liberating and so joyful. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, we've received encouraging comments from listeners around the country and also near to home. We have been listening to Pastor Ray for 25 years. He was always excited to preach about Jesus and couldn't wait to see him face to face. Now he is happy with the Lord with no more pain or sadness. Thank you for leading our family with your easy to understand sermons every week. May the Lord give comfort and strength to the Bentley family. Although he's gone home, his teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message 
from Pastor Ray Bentley. I can remember as a young believer when I uh, got saved, I, I've often told you I got saved when I was 11 years old at a Billy Graham film and my parents on my mom's side were Nazarene a denomination. We were there for a while and then uh, as we got, probably my junior high years for several years we were involved in that church. We helped them build the church. My brothers and my dad, I remember, they were building a new church. We got to actually go out and you know use wheelbarrows and help them build a physical new building. It was exciting. Then we got into high school and the Lord kind of led us to another church, uh, which was a Wesleyan church, an awesome church, uh, right here in San Diego, uh, Skyline Wesleyan. And uh, we were involved there through my high school years. And so I'm growing and I'm, I'm coming to church. I'm, I'm a teenager, I've got my Bible. Uh, I bring uh, a pen, I've, I've got paper. I wanna hear God. From the time that I got saved, I started hearing about the coming of the Lord. And that's what really ignited me as a believer. I mean, I knew I was saved, I'm forgiven, I'm going to heaven. But when I started hearing that I could be living in the generation that Jesus would return, I thought, wow. I mean, there's only two generations in 2,000 years that, that have this privilege. The first generation saw him in the flesh. And I would love, and, and often, have you ever been jealous reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, wish you could have been there for that three years? But the second most blessed generation is the generation who will be alive and living when he returns again. And he will, every eye will see him. His face is brighter, seven times the brightness of the sun. I love that. Isaiah, the prophet, talks about his face. I want you to imagine the sun shining at noon in its strength, big, you know, orange ball. Now double it twice as bright, three, four, five, six, seven times. It's a metaphor. It's a picture. But do you know that when you look up, all those stars that we see at night, they're still out there. The Milky Way's out there. Uh, all of the stars are twinkling all day long, but you and I cannot see them. Why? Because our sun, our star, is so close and it's so bright, it blinds you. How bright will it be when Jesus comes? You won't be able to see the sun. The sun will disappear. And all you will see is the light of the glory of the Lord God Almighty. Glory, hallelujah. He is mighty, he is powerful. And as a young believer, I was sitting there, I was learning, I was growing. I go, man, I gotta get ready. In fact, I started a Bible study um, when I was a freshman in high school because I was so excited. I started telling my friends. You guys, Jesus is coming, man. If, if you're not ready, I don't know, you're gonna get left behind. And so I started a Bible study and two friends started coming. So the three of us began meeting together and little by little it began to grow. And during that time that I was hungry for the word and growing and listening to the radio and listening to tapes, and I began to hunger for the power of God and the presence of God and the moving of God's spirit. And I began going to and experiencing uh, the miraculous power of the healing of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus that rose from the dead. He said, wherever two or three gather in my name, I will be there in your midst. Jesus Christ is right here in this place tonight. He has all power and all authority. He not only has the power to heal, guess what? He's willing to heal. 
But I want you to notice in this particular healing, and I, I put this uh, the second place I want you to write in if you have a pen or a pencil. What kind of faith results in miracles and healings? And then there's a line for you to fill in the blank. What kind of faith? And I want you to write this down. Desperate faith. These four friends came and there was no more room inside. They couldn't even get to the door. And they were not deterred. And they know, look, I've heard, I've seen people, they've been healed from this village, this place. It was like they knew it. So we got to get him to Jesus. We can't get through the crowd. So what can we do? They were so desperate. They climbed up on somebody's roof and they tore their roof apart and destroyed personal property <laughs> to get inside and the guy got healed. So I wanna ask you a question tonight. Are you desperate for Jesus? People that are kind of blase and kind of, oh, yeah, 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 Jesus, yeah, I know, yeah, he's powerful, oh, he's a Messiah, oh, yeah, he could heal, you know, okay, whatever. If you have a whatever kind of a faith, you're gonna get a whatever kind of experience, whatever. But when you're desperate, I wanna be where Jesus is. I need Jesus. I am desperate for Jesus. If I get my friend to Jesus, I know he will be healed. And the man's saying, if you get me to Jesus, I know I'll be healed. We're, we're gonna have to destroy this guy's roof. I don't think there was a big discussion about it. They started peeling through, which makes a very interesting thought about what the Bible said he was like inside as somebody begins climbing through the roof. <laughs> Dust had to be falling. And, you know, the people look at the owner and he's going, you know, what can he say? And they're looking up and pretty soon I see there's a hole up in the roof. And then there's little faces looking down, you know. <laughs> I wonder what Jesus was doing. He's probably just smiling. And then there's little ropes and a little lame guy is being lowered down. <laughs> and, he, and he's laying there. <laughs> Help, you know. Sorry. Jesus, you know. Help me. So now, I mean, it is kind of funny, isn't it? I think it's supposed to be. Look, verse five. When Jesus saw their, what? Faith. When he saw, that's what he was looking for. Their faith. What was their faith? Their faith was, we know you've been healing people. We know you can do it. And we wanted to make sure our friend was healed. And we're glad for all these other people that got healed. But this is our friend. We brought our friend to you because we know you can heal him. You can make him whole. And Jesus is going, wow. They just tore through this man's roof to get to me because they know I can heal him. Now, there's a very dramatic situation that is also developing, probably not to the attention of most, but within the room are not only the common people and the farmers and the fishermen, but there are some religious people, dignitaries, powerfully religious people, watching with their arms folded, not exactly blessed by the situation. So this is the kind of thing this man brings, destruction of personal property, desperate people. What's he going to do now? Jesus knew that they were there. And therefore he said to the paralytic, <laughs> I love this, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Oh man, 
Jesus, let's go back to the man. Jesus goes straight for the heart. He immediately says to the man, son, your sins are forgiven you. Now I want to mention, not all sickness is caused by sin. <laughs> Having said that, all men are sinners. Agreed? How many of you can honestly say that you are not a perfect human being and have not lived a perfect life? Yes? All have sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. But there was a peculiar way of, of you know, that general truth that began to twist its way. It's funny how things that are true can be twisted and be quite damaging. Have you ever found that to be true? Even religious things, it's true, but by the time it comes to you, it's like you're just, somebody's twisting the knife in you. And there was a, an aberrant, false implication that whatever disease you happen to fall under, they said, well then, your sin, you deserve. You have done something peculiar, unique, that is just to you, and God is punishing you because of what you've done. How many would agree that's a pretty fearful thing to fall under? How many would be condemned? As opposed to that sin started, it didn't begin with us. We're born in sin before we even did anything right or wrong. It started with Adam and Eve. It started in the Garden of Eden. We're born in a fallen world. We are born fallen. We don't have to do anything to be sinners. We're sinners before we do anything. Does that make sense? We are sinners. But Jesus said in the Gospel of John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, read this out loud with me. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. This is even the disciples. And so, do you realize what a theological damaging thing this can be when you be, you know, offensively, inappropriately, in a detached way, begin judging other people. Well, what, what if, was it this guy that his poor, sad little life, was it him that blew it or was it his mom and dad? How hard-hearted, how crass, how unlike Jesus. So Jesus just looks at them and he goes, no, he, he wasn't punished with blindness for something he did. Nor was he punished with blindness because of something his parents did but that God, my Father, may be glorified, boom, and Jesus is able to heal. Amen? So let me say this. Do not, do not judge anyone who is sick or they have some illness or disease or whatever and say they're getting what they deserve. Not even for the wicked. I mean, we do it to one another, even in the body of Christ. We go, oh, look at that. No, we all deserve. We deserve to be separated from God. Hallelujah. But God is faithful. Good insights today from our study of the healing of the paralytic man in the Gospel of Mark. Pastor Ray Bentley is leading our study tour through Mark here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled Miraculous Faith. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com.
We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click about and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his new book called The Final Witness, an eye-opening prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full five-book series called The Elijah Chronicles. You can, too. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.